Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes. Let's go. Let's go to a Spanish-speaking country <laughs> for the very beginning of 1963's From Russia with Love. And guess what? We don't go to Russia at all. Okay. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. James Bond willingly takes on an assignment involved involving an assassination plot involving, <laughs> I guess I didn't reread my notes, a naive Russian beauty with a very healthy sex drive in order to retrieve a Soviet encryption device that was stolen by the evil Spectre. From Russia with Love. It premiered in London on October 10th, 1963. And it didn't premiere in the United States until May 27th, 1964. Oh. Wow. The times, how they did change in those few months. Produced by Harry Saltzman, who did the first nine Bond films with Albert R. Broccoli. This is their second James Bond film. The first James Bond film is Dr. No. Albert R. Broccoli, a.k.a. Cubby, to his friends, was also uh, produced the James Bond films. And in addition to that, which his son and daughter continue to produce to this day. Um, he also produced Chitty Chitty his son Bang. And daughter? Yeah. It's a it's still it got passed down. The There's, Bond films? Yeah. I the broccolis. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I have that in my positive or heatable is the last name broccoli, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's more. There's I got more on them later. Um oh, the director is Terrence Young, who also directed one of Gone with the Bush's favorites, Wait Until Dark. Ooh, we mm. did like that. Mm -hmm. We did. And he also did Dr. No and Thunderball, to name a few. He did a few James Bond films. The screenplay is by Richard Maibaum, who also wrote No Time to Die, Dr. No, Goldfinger, and License to Kill. So he wrote a whole bunch of James Bond films as well. It's adapted by Johanna Harwood, who also wrote Dr. No and Call Me Bawana. It's based on the 1957 novel From Russia, Comma, With Love by Ian Fleming, who is a British writer, journalist, and naval intelligence officer. Mm. Mr. Fleming came from a very wealthy British family um, with banking ties, and he had uh, his father was an MP, you know, very well to do. He also wrote the novels Casino Royale, mm -hmm. Live and Let Live, and for his son Casper, he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Hmm. Ian oh. Fleming. I have no idea what Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's about. I just know the name Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You never saw it. I never saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Hmm. It, Spoiler alert, it's the movie for next week. <laughs> the music is by John Barry, who also did Midnight Cowboy, The Day of the Locust, Body Heat, and Dances with Wolves, to name a few. Oh, all good. 
The courts have ruled twice that the James Bond theme song was written by Monty Norman. Who the has got involved? Twice, yes, because... And Monty Norman has been receiving royalties since 1962. Just cashing them checks. Oh. So for the first film, Dr. No, Norman scored the film, and the theme was arranged by John Barry, who also composed 11 James Bond film soundtracks. And John Barry's like, excuse me, um, I think I wrote the theme song. And Norman's like, no, no, no. Dun, 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 dun. That's me. I wrote the theme song. And the mm. courts have twice sided with uh, Norman. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. There's a whole thing to get involved in it, and I guess the the courts and stuff. And then there was libel cases. It's it's been a whole thing. So I'm sure because that's a that's a chunk of money. Mm-hmm. It's a nice chunk of change. Um, the director Manzel wrote it. <laughs> they ripped off a black man, of course. The director of photography is Ted Moore. He did seven James Bond films. He also did A Man for All Seasons and Clash of the Titans. Mm -hmm. The editor is Peter R. Hunt, who also did Dr. No, Goldfinger, Thunderball. And he actually got promoted and direct was able to direct on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is another James Bond film. So good on him. Starring Sean Connery as James Bond, 007. He was the second James Bond. What? There was a James Bond before him. But Dr. No was the first James Bond film. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. Okay. All right. Go to the Google machine. Um, Sean Connery was in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which we did last week. And I would like to point out. (laughs) His best movie yet. None of us. None of us mentioned in when we were talking about how the film didn't do well. None of us mentioned that it came out. I think it came out in June or something that maybe it would have done a little better if it had been released in, uh, I don't know, March. March? (laughs) Sometime just the the, between the first and middle of March. But that was just funny. It, It came to me. Um, he was also in The Longest Day, The Man Who Would Be King, and The Hunt for the Red October, to name a few. We have Pedro Armendariz as Ali Karim Bey. He's a Mexican film actor. He is one of the best-known Latin American movie stars of the 40s and 50s. He was also in Fort Apache the Con- and The Conqueror. And here is a nerd alert that may sound familiar from when we did... That movie with Dick Powell. Was it Susan Slept Here? I think Dick Powell was in that. Yes. Because The Conqueror was directed by Dick Powell. And remember, it was shot in Utah, which was seen to be like kind of downwind from where in Nevada the US government was conducting atmospheric nuclear testing. And within 25 years of them filming there, 41% of the crew. So 91 out of 222 people involved in the production developed cancer. Oh. 
Yes, and Pedro was terminally ill with cancer, and his final scenes were performed by his double, who was also the director, Terrence Young, and he died in 1963 by smuggling in a handgun into the hospital and shooting himself in the chest. So that's interesting, I thought. Like, 41% of the people on that... Because remember, Dick Powell went out with the cancer as well. Yeah. We have Daniela Binacci as Tatiana Romanova. Romanova. She's an Italian actress. She was also in Dr. Kildare and the Coco Internationals and Codename Tiger. Robert Shaw as Red Grant. A blonde Robert Shaw. He was also in Jaws, The Sting, and A Man for All Seasons. That's what he was in, The Jaws. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Bernard Lee as M, The Blue Lamp, and The Blue Tulip. Louis Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. She was in Lolita, The Haunting, and Endless Night. Eunice Gason as Sylvia Trench, a.k.a. the first Bond girl. She was also in To Have and To Hold, Dance Little Lady, and Carry On, Admiral. We have Vladek Shabel, who is Kronstein. He's a Polish actor, <clears throat> singer, and director. He was also in Casino Royale and Red Dawn and Nerd Alert. At the age of 16, he was imprisoned in the Nazi concentration camp during the Nazis' occupation of Poland, and he tried to escape twice and was Ooh. tortured for it. Oh. <clears throat> yes. And now we have her favorite Nerd Alert of all time. <laughs> My uh -oh. favorite Nerd Alert of all time. As Rosa Klepp, Lottie Linnea. Her name was Lottie Linnea? Yes. She's an Australian, an, I'm sorry, an Austrian-American singer and actress. She's famous in German-speaking countries and the classical music world for her performances with her husband, Kurt Weil's songs. Kurt is... Um, W-E-I-L-L. -L. And he was famous. Maybe you've heard of a song called The Ballad of Mac the Knife. Because he wrote that. Oh, he wrote it. And she would perform it. And yes, in 1956, Louis Armstrong recorded two versions of Mac the Knife. One solo and one with a duet with Lottie Linya, and Armstrong it. replaced one of the characters' names with Miss Lottie Linya. Oh, so it wasn't in there originally. No. And then when Bobby Darren re-recorded it in 1959, and that was the song that, like, you know, went off and became a hit, and it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It is. I through a huge Bobby Darren phase in high school. Yeah, I, I'm I'm weird and nerdy in that way. 
I love me Mac the Knife and Beyond the Sea. And I rocked out to all those yesterday. And I was like, I think maybe this is also a part of why I got into drums. Because the drums in both of those songs and the production and the arrangement and the horns and the muted horns and everything was so... I was just... When her name came up in the credits, I was like, Lottie Linia? No, it can't be. And yes... She's Lottie Linya. Oh, didn't you have a character Lottie Linya yes! in one of your films? Yes. Suki Suki Tadri. Suki Tadri, right? Like, look out for Miss Lottie Linya and oh, Lucy Brown. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. She was also in the appointment and semi tough, but yo, she is Lottie Linya from Mac the Knife. Yeah. Then look hmm. out, old Mackie is back. Yeah, maybe you had to, you had to grow up in our house at that time because we heard it all, all the time. The I was time. obsessed with it. Yeah, man, that's why it was to me. It was it's the biggest oh, yeah. alert in God oh, with the yeah. voices. Like, are you kidding me? There was a real life person named Lottie Linia, and she was famous. And her husband is the one that wrote Mac the Knife. Oh, the night forms. Was that was that in Screwdriver when we had the uh, yes the, the outline we, of a dead body in our front on our front rug for, for years for months? yeah yeah repairmen would come in and try to ignore it mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Audrey the, la- that was the last the... repairman who didn't make me happy <laughs> yeah Suki Tawdry, like all of those that he names out and that he that he like switched the name out and then like Bobby Darren kept it. And I'm just like, my mind was blown. So that is, that those is are the particulars. Well, it's hard to beat that. Maybe we should just stop now. <laughs> That's it. The podcast is over. Lali Lenya. What did what did they think of uh, from Russia with Love? I don't know. Ma- they went into this <laughs> thing about Mac the Knife. It was we're done. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to set the table. We have the iconic opening of all James Bond films. Oh, by BTW. Okay, so I looked it up, and they say James Bond was the first, I mean, uh, Sean Connery was the first James Bond on film. David Niven played James Bond in Casino Royale? Oh, did they do a Casino? Because Casino Royale was the first Ian Fleming Bond book, so they did. I don't know. I don't know, but Google it, people. Yeah, figure it out for yourselves because it was it was disappointing to me because I was wrong again. Iconic opening of all James Bond films, maybe not all of them, but the, the ones I know. You know, when he's walking and then he does the quick turn with the gun and here, the gunshots. Uh, it is nighttime at a villa in a Spanish-speaking country. And James Bond is being followed by a blonde Robert Shaw. That just is so odd. It is a typical cat and mouse game until Robert Shaw kills 007. And you go, that's the end of the film? (laughs) Not. It was a dude in a James Bond mask. Then we go to Venice where we meet the Spectre Ensemble and learn about the lector decoder and meet the bond girl of the day tatiana who is a specter spy right 
I mean, she was a no, Russian spy. She and- was a she. So Spectre, Lottie Linya's character, she was um, really working for Spectre, but she was high up in the Russian Smirsh thing, which was their, you know, Secret Service spy thing, and so she was a double agent. So the woman, she was really on the Soviet, like on the Russian side. Oh, she was a Russian side. Yeah, yeah. And that was all part of the plan because it was uh, Lottie Linya who was really part of the Spectre. So she was just a puppet in Lottie Linya's plan. BTW, it's not not really about the plot when you're watching a James Bond movie. Of course. Okay, Um, well, I guess, yeah. um, And... um, uh, who is sent to seduce and trap James Bond and get the lector for themselves. Whoever it was that they were working for, what could go wrong? Yeah, it's basically the specters out there trying to com- like just do wreak havoc. And they want they want to get James Bond because apparently in- James Bond killed Dr. No. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and... Movie we didn't do yet. Um, yeah, and so he, so they wanted to take him out, and they came up with this whole plan where they can like create havoc by putting the two superpowers next to each other, and th- it'll work out, of course, because the Russians, the British are going to think that it's a trap, and so yeah, and then it yeah, MacGuffin, it's MacGuffin, all, MacGuffin. exactly, and it's all cat and mouse and. Uh, running around and killing people, and um, and so that's what it is. And it's a James Bond movie. It is eye candy. So we are to POC. People of color. Now, I did read something that said James Bond sees, because after Venice they go to Turkey, James Bond sees an anglicized version of Turkey. Oh, okay. Because mm. you didn't see people of color. Well, the the Turkish man was played by a Mexican man, right? Oh, and there I did have that. There were two black people, and then I have ma notes. I couldn't read where they were. <laughs> so there, there I, I didn't see, see any. Black I see people. it was it was in a crowd scene, very early, kind of in the movie, and then we have the anglicized Turkey, and then we have the Romani people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are going to get into the Romani people in a few minutes in Nerd Alerts. Fascinating. It's fascinating. So as far as cast goes, in this movie, the Romani people are called gypsies. That's what they were called in the 60s. But that is that is not a um, – that is a – Out-of-date – term and it's it's in uh offensive highly offensive offensive term to the people who are called romani and we'll get into that but um they were called gypsies in this film and i had them sort of in a cast situation because um in history the the, the that race of people are um Oh, they have gone a, through it. Yeah, they have. Woo. Man. Okay, any but any cast. Teeny, do you have cast? Um, I just have a little bit on 
the misogyny of the film. Oh my mm. god! But that's and total James Bond. Bond yeah, I have toxic masculinity as one of my casts. And I found an mm. article on the nationalnews.com that was written pretty recently. I think past few years, um, because Phoebe Walter, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Mm-hmm who is the creator and head writer and star of BBC's Fleabag, the showrunner, head writer, and executive producer in Killing Eve. And she was also a co-screenwriter in 2021 Bond film, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. And so the woman writing the article, whose name is Farah Andrews, she talked about how her memories of James Bond are about her grandmother like are associated with her grandmother who was obsessed with James Bond, but her grandmother was also her feminist role model growing up. So um, she's like, my brain defaults to a warm nostalgia when I think about the film's most famous secret agent. Um, But the movie franchise has a 57 year history of treating women as objects Mm -hmm. with little purpose beyond pleasing Mr. Bond in whichever way he sees fits. And she said, don't even get me started on infantilizing, the infantilizing of Bond girls. Um, So she was like, I would imagine that somebody like Phoebe Waller-Bridge had somewhat of a moral dilemma when it came to having to co-write on the film. And she said, there's been a lot of talk about this, about whether or not the Bond franchise is relevant now because of who he is and the way he treats women this is Waller Bridge saying this, and I think he's absolutely relevant now. He it's just he's got to grow. Not he. I'm sorry. It has just got to grow. It's just got to evolve. And the important thing is that the film treats women properly. He doesn't have to. He needs to be true to his character. So the article went on to being like, that's who James Bond character is. And you can either love him or hate him for it. But like, are we evolving in a world where like the is going to treat the women properly um, and not call the characters uh, pussy galore and Holly Goodhead or versions of thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, that would just be a step in the right direction. Certainly would, um, would, would help. Yeah. And so the author wrote, I w- it probably goes without saying, I would love to see a woke bond on screen. I'd adore an erasure of the sexist, misogynist dinosaur, as Judy Dench described him when she was in GoldenEye. She also called him a relic of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, but a misogynistic character does not necessarily mean a misogynistic film. Mm-hmm. So, she, which I thought was interesting, is that mm-hmm. do you have to make James Bond grow as a person, which might not ever happen, or you just make the film industry grow and portray the woman in a better way outside of him. I felt like uh, with the last couple with Daniel Craig, there was talk about him not being as misogynistic as he had been in the past. Because yeah. Bob was always in I'm bed sure. with somebody. Well, and then it's also people talking about it, and you can, like, I have enjoyed this movie, and I enjoyed James Bond. Oh, yeah. but, I'm, but as we're going to do in this segment is that we're going to point out and bring awareness to all of the problematic natures of his character. He can still remain 
this toxic masculine character, but it's up to the audiences to not want to emulate and be like that and to point mm-hmm. out, oh, why this guy's bad. Because we have, I mean, like people like Tony Soprano, but he's not a great yeah. guy, you know? Like we, we like- I call him out on that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, this is us calling him out on that, even even though we, we can like the movie and like all of, you know, it, find it entertaining. But there needs to be the other side of it, which is like, let's call him out on it. Let's bring all exactly. this stuff that wasn't talked about when this came out in 1963. Or if it was, it was not widely talked about. Like, I'm sure, like anything in history, that there were people who were like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, and then I thought it was interesting because I just didn't realize it until I read this, but... Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the second woman to receive a Bond writing credit. The first was Johanna Harwood. Mm-hmm. Co-writing Dr. No and From Russia With Love and going uncredited for her writing role in Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it took from 1964 to 2019 yeah. for a woman to be involved in the writing. So I guess what do you fucking expect? But. And, and we've done, we when doing this with movies, old movies, there have been female writers in uh, editors and, and stuff like they've been around it's just you know, it's weird how it's you know they always point to oh they, you can't do it but it's like no they were there from the beginning mm-hmm. I mean Mary this yeah. movie is distributed by United Artists and who was one of the people that started that was Mary Pickford so mm-hmm. it's, it's not like women haven't had a seat it's just they've been erased a lot of times mm-hmm. which is so my toxic masculinity to piggyback on that is like specifically in the film how he gets both of the Romany women and then has to decide which one is gifted or did he have to decide could he have both of them he yeah exactly he hits a woman like he hits he he straight up hits her um I found in a source um the 2019 article, James Bond is the patron saint of white masculinity by James DeVore. He says, um, quote, everything, he's everything men are told they should want to be. Promiscuous, except when it comes to the right, still disposable woman, unfeeling, violent, smart but suave. James Bond is an aesthetic. He's the idea of charm and class with a deeply violent and pretty misogynistic underbelly. In short, he's the patriarchy. I was like, mm-hmm. right. Right. Yeah. Especially of the 50s and 60s, the 70s and 80s. And then, so, um, Bianchi's screen test scene is the scene where she sneaks into James Bond's bed. And one of the actresses who was also up for that role was fired for not having sex with a United Artist executive. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. And that scene ha- is, has been used in the past to screen test other James Bonds and other Bond girls. Yeah. So, you know, just that bedroom scene. And then my other part of cast, of course is the white supremacy. I mean, they just come down and burn down the Romany spot. Mm-hmm. MI6 bombs the Soviet consulate in Turkey? I, I kind of was like, wait, what would that be like if China bombed the South Korean consulate in Australia? Like, I don't think that's okay. Um, and then at the end, 
<laughs> there's a sex tape in this film and Ooh, yeah it gets tossed into the Venetian canals. I mean, he's just this guy just acting like he owns everything. There was an article from Russia with Love and its place in the Bond Canyon. Canon. Oh no, I'm sorry. Well, by Geraldo Valaro, and and also a 2020 article. We don't need a female James Bond because James Bond amplifies toxic masculinity by Jessica Mason. So she might have said the other quote that I just said. And the other guy might have said this. Ma notes that James Bond protects white people from white people. And he says, like, how even if the villains aren't white, that they're just a phone call away from a white guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, quote, the secret to James Bond's international success is simple. He's a thug trained to wear a tuxedo, a killer who can make small talk at a fancy dinner party. He is, in his way, a metaphor for all civilization, a barbarian who cleans up nice. Women can play that easy. A woman can play that easy. Mm -hmm. Well, because, like, his, he was going on to make, it like, a different point that we'll get to later. So, of course, it's just, you know, just <laughs> a British guy running around creating havoc you know just live it's almost like the like the gone with the wind thing of like if you're if 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 you fall into that class you know like if you're i imagine like if you're like a white guy he would be like oh my gosh this is the life this is fantastic and everyone else is like um i don't like yeah it's fun but let's if we like just dust off the like there this is very problematic. Exactly. But, but if you acknowledge the problematicness of it, then in the future you can do better and also it can you can then go back to enjoying it. Uh but your mileage may vary on that <laughs> cuz I I'm not going to enjoy God with the wind. So as I yeah. Yeah. She ruined it for me. <clears throat> My father loved the Ian Fleming books, and he loved the James Bond movies. My mother went to one and fell asleep, I remember. So these, I was too young to go see. I've heard, though, it, when I was researching that the Ian Fleming books, though, a big thing is that there is no specter. like he, Because he was a naval intelligence officer, so mm -hmm. they are much more realistic in their depiction of the spy kind of stuff and it's all cold war yeah and so you know the the greatest generation came out of world war ii and so reading these books it's always the british spy being able to take down the the bad guys mm -hmm. john okay. f kennedy included from russia with love is one of his favorite books yeah let's um uh, i remember my speaking dad of misogyny my dad used to take both of my brother, like, well, he used to take Timothy, my older brother, when he was home for the holidays um, to go see the new, because they always come out on Thanksgiving Day, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, he used around to take then. both of my brother, like Timothy and then Alex, and he was old enough to see the new James Bond movie every Thanksgiving. And I remember one year being like, what the fuck? You're just taking them? Oh, like I can't go. And I think he took me and I was like bored, but 
we all went as a family to all the James Bond movies. No, we were we were not. Well, let me preface this: we were not a big movie uh, family. My dad, like that, was like the one day a year my dad went to a movie. That's how yeah, my dad was. This is mm-hmm. the movie he's gonna go James to. James Bond is it? That's the only movie he's seeing for the year. Yeah. Well, this is so the let's movie make that it a boys' day. <laughs> this would be the movie that my dad would actually look at the newspaper and find the time. Like, yeah, or he would more more likely be like, "Hey, what time is the James Bond film?" But he did that with yeah. a lot of films. And it was, well, and it was probably like I looking thinking back on it, I was pissed that he wasn't taking me. But I'm like, what probably would happen? Because they didn't go on Thanksgiving Day. I'm sure they went the day after, mm-hmm. and I was at the mall with my mom. Right, shopping. Right, but then I do remember one year being like, "What the fuck? I want take me," and I got to go, and I think I was bored. Mm. I wonder which one it was. It probably one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. One of the Pierce. It was probably like Tomorrow Never Dies, and yeah, he got stuck with a not so great James Bond one. Yeah. Okay, we're to nerd alerts. Okay, so the year. 1963. Hmm. We got the Vietnam War, a.k.a. the Second Indochina War. It was raging. And it started on November 1st, 1955. But what was the first Indochina War, you ask? The first Indochina War, a.k.a. the Anti-French Resistance War in Vietnam, dated from September 1945, which is a little weird, you may ask, because Ooh. September 1945, isn't that when World War II ended? Ended? In September 1945? And yet, how is that when the first Indochina... Okay. So, then the first Indochina War ended in 1954. Yes, because then the second Indochina War started in 1955. And then wasn't there like also a war in Korea in the 50s? So all of that is to just say that it just seems like there's just always been a war going on. Mm -hmm. And like war was just raging over there. But like America was just like we're just not really into that right now so we're just it it wasn't a big thing on America's plate but I just found it fascinating and I was like wait the first one started like right when this huh oh so travel financial and commercial transactions by U.S. citizens to Cuba were made illegal by the John F. Kennedy administration The Central Intelligence Agency's Domestic Operations Division is created in the United States. Unlike the FBI, the CIA has no law enforcement functions and is officially maintained, is mainly focused on overseas intelligence gathering with only limited domestic intelligence collections and other things such as flooding inner cities with crack cocaine but don't 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 go don't look there it's just kind of interesting how like the cia it's like oh it's for outside but then they in 1963 came up with a thing for america oh let's not go too much into that patsy klein 
was killed in a plane crash. Mm -hmm. She was only 30 years old. She was only 30. She was only 30. Oh, wow. And here for Women's History Month, she was the first woman to wear pants at the Grand Old Opry. Oh, my God. Well, I'm sure that they were. People were pissed. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they were bespeckled, bedazzled. Yeah, they were none too happy about that. General Hospital. Yeah, Grand Old Opry. General Hospital debuted on ABC. Really? Mm -hmm. Is it still on? 1963. Yes, it is. It's one that survived. Wow. Port Charles, Luke and Laura. 70,000 marchers demonstrated against nuclear weapons. (laughs) And they did this whole walk from London to wherever, 1963. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Didn't change nothing. A big year for the civil rights movement. Bunch it of was. things happened. You got Martin Luther King Jr. It was uh, not liked by the majority of Americans. Contrary to... He was a rabble rouser. Oh, people hated that man. Not like now where you have all the people quoting him and saying like, oh, he had a dream. No, but... Uh, do yourself a favor and go in and look at what like Martin Luther King Jr. was saying about um, the. It's it's just interesting how like like what he you know it's MLK Day comes around and everybody likes to, to do his I have a dream speech and all stuff and like even then Martin Luther King was like yeah but the problem is the people who uh they don't really. It's it's those people in the middle. <laughs> and uh, you know who I'm talking about because it hasn't changed. It's mm-hmm. the pe- it's the it's the quote good intentioned people who won't aren't willing to feel uncomfortable that uh, hold up change. And he issued his letter from a Birmingham jail. There was the march on Washington that happened. Uh, we had Edgar Evers was assassinated. There's a whole bunch of... Oh, this is 1963. Big time. Big, big ups in the Civil. Which is interesting how the CIA started their hmm. whole domestic thing. Now that I think hmm. about it, it, coincidence, that has to be a coincidence. Hmm. And... Sam Cooke. Man, this is all about Aaron's favorite songs of all time because Sam Cooke writes and records A Change Is Gonna Come, which is Mm. the official Aaron Bush walking to vote song. I always put it on as I'm going to vote. Oh, yeah. I was born by a river. Yes. I got a whole playlist (laughs) just based around the Sam Cooke A Change Is Gonna Come. you were kind of born by a river, so. Mm -hmm. Like that river. I've been running ever since. Unless my IT band acts up. Then it's just tough. <laughs> All right. The top five films. 1963. Irma Deluge. Number four. Never Tom. heard of it. I've heard of it. I believe it's a Billy Wilder film. So we'll probably do it at some point. Tom Jones is number four. Never it's heard of it. It's not the Tom Jones that. What's that, up, Pussycat? No. no, not that Tom Jones. Oh, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Heard of it. You guys did it before me. Mm -hmm. How the West Was Won. Heard of it. Saw it. Never seen it. I'm sure it's inaccurate. I'm sure it's wildly inaccurate. I'm sure it's 
I'm sure that our negative reheatables would be off the chain. <laughs> And 1963, a film that was mentioned last week, number one film of 1963, Cleopatra. Never seen it. Another one, we, and nor have I. I've never seen oh. it either. I think it's long, though. Tina. But, I, but it's Elizabeth oh. Taylor. I picked up my phone to put it on the list. Violet Eyes. So the Oscars, the best picture nominees, 1963, Lilies of the Field. Never heard of it. Sydney Poitier. That was Sydney Poitier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. the West was one. He won his Oscar for that. Cleopatra. America, America. And the winner. Never heard of it. Tom Jones. It was the winner. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, Christine, do you have any nerd alerts? I do not. I think you covered them all. <laughs> well, I went into uh, I went down the rabbit hole of the Romani people in this film. They were called gypsies, and I knew that that was uh, a not nice term for them. So the definition is of a gypsy is a member of a traditionally itinerant people who originated in northern India. Mm hmm. And now live chiefly in Europe and in smaller numbers throughout the world. A person who wanders or roams. So sometimes they're called wanderers. Um, A member of a race of people who travel from place to place rather than living in one place. And one of the reasons for that was they did itinerant work. Um, So they would travel with seasons where the work was needed. Um, Because they were originated in northern India, no, no, they were originated in northern India, but they got the term gypsy because people thought they came from Egypt. Just like our American Indians are called Indians because old fuckboy Christopher Columbus thought he landed in India. Uh, so people just saw me like, ah, you look Egyptian. Uh, right, oh, James Bond, double you, do you have a flag? No, you look like you came from Egypt. Gypsies, what, what? time. You are a darker color than you are supposed to be. <laughs> and therefore, um, some, um, some are Christian and some are Muslim. The, the word gypsy uh, in German, it's Zeigerner, oh. which means untouchable. Oh, those Germans. Thank you, those... German people. Um, they mostly live in Eastern Europe, and they move with their seasonal jobs. But didn't they, they would... also move a lot because people were just, like, killing them and burning them? And... They, ha- and, and, uh, they carry a lot of baggage with them not like you know literally but when i was growing up you'd hear stories of the gypsies would come and steal infants and they oh were God. always and they were yeah always, they were other they were the the boogeyman like like in you know they you know we all there are other groups of people who get labeled that and they're one of those groups that yeah oh they're bad i mean he said it the germans said untouchable they're gonna steal their money you can't trust them they're dirty right. all they're always horrible things yeah. yeah they're gonna um 
uh, listen to this, they're going to jip you out of your money. Yes. Jip for gypsy. That's why you shouldn't really say that. Derogatory. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which I didn't realize until like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That something came up in my daily life the other day that I was like, oh, we're not saying that anymore. Oh. Okay, at work, we typically call the time between our holiday floor set and our summer floor set or like spring floor set, spring trans. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And now like we're not transition. Yeah, because it was a transition between spring and the next. And somebody said, and I was just speaking to someone, they said spring trans, I mean free spring. And I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there we go and you know it's not a big deal you just change your verbiage exactly and you forget and say excuse me I'm sorry and Which this is off on a tangent speaking of TikTok I saw a video of this man and he was walking his dog who was like a pug or something and he had a baby in, on this thing so I don't the know Bjorn the baby yeah, Bjorn baby, yeah and they came a, across like a little kid. He was like five or something like that. And um, little kid like pet the dog or whatever and asked about the baby and was like, oh, is it a boy or a girl? And the dad was like, oh, we don't know yet. It's We're going to wait until, it, until, I think the kid's name is River. We're going to wait until River's older to let them tell us what their gender is. And then it was like, oh. you know some TikTok stuff that was like kid math going on in his head or whatever. And then he, and then the kid was just like, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Okay. That's, that's totally fine. Yeah. Just introduce it then when. Yep. All right. Mm -hmm. Cool. It, yeah. It's the, it's, it's it's like when Martin Luther King like that like that's the way you know that's what he's talking about because then you'd be like no I am very open minded and stuff but how but it it has a it, uh, you know and it's like no because you've been programmed like you don't realize how much of this stuff is that you've been programmed into mm -hmm. it and it yep. and it's it really doesn't mean anything. Like most of the, right. a lot of a lot of everything that people go through and deal with is like money. It only has value because we've decided it does. It's, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was watching uh, 2020 about Heaven's Gate, the cult Heaven's Gate in yeah. the 80s. Oh, the shoes, um, right? Nike shoes. They were the ones yeah. with the Nikes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but you think of. I mean, how much they were programmed to say certain words, and that's all of us have been programmed yes. that way. Never, like it mm -hmm. isn't, and oh, it's not. Yeah. It's not just um, like it's it's easy. Like even black people, like what? I've been programmed things you know, of white supremacy, you know, of that. Like everybody has been programmed because it, it's right. just, like, just um, talking about. Uh, misogyny my entire career we've talked about manpower we use manpower mm -hmm. as 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's oh, a good the, point. Man, the manpower. What's our manpower? Who's our manpower? And it wasn't until literally this week I was like, "What are we going to stop calling this manpower?" Mm-hmm. Sportsmanship. History. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, history. Her story, right? <laughs> There's they story. Why? Why do we have to decide? Exactly. Gender? How about it's just the story? <laughs> Story from the past. Okay, we are to reheatables. Um, negative. Positive. Oh, ne- we start with negatives, yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, here at Gone with the Bushes, well, we always end on a positive note. Oh, yeah, that's us, huh? Um, I said tanning oil, and then Adam pointed out that it might just be massage oil, but then I just wanted to lead that leave that in there that tanning oil is still a negative no matter who you are you should not be using tanning oil <coughs> it was actually Ma? baby oil back in the day mother or, <laughs> yeah where you just fried your skin well, let's replace that with some spf this, would you like the, to see all one of, of the, the sunspots one of the greatest thing initiate like when teeny joined the family was the fact that when we went to the beach somebody set an alarm like the first time we were like what is this we have to the first apply. year I got very sunburned. Sunscreen. The first year, remember, I got sunburned right away. Yeah, because she's out there with uh, wait. This one over here always used the beach week as a way to like. I'm finally gonna fit in. I'm finally gonna fit in. Well, no, because I would <laughs> finally welcome. get some You're color. You guys would like triple your color, and so I was always. And the, there's, there's the, none of that for me. Then there's no that way. programming of like, no, we all need to apply, like all of us in the family need to apply yeah. sunscreen. And that was a big thing. Like, and now, now we go, how many things of sunscreen do we go through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Poppy didn't use sunscreen. No. He had the tannin in his skin. He didn't need You're the sunscreen. You're welcome. And we, we would put it on once and that was it. And now oh, yeah. like, reapply, reapply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was always me. I put it on at nine o'clock this oh, morning. No, and she like we're getting, you know, the seventy-five, the eighty on, and she's like, mm, where's the four? Put the four on my well, back. But you guys yeah, don't understand what it's like to walk around in life as a ghost. <laughs> Sometimes it's not fun. It's except, nice to have a little bit of something. Except for all that privilege that that comes with. <laughs> okay, well, there's a little bit well, there you go. There's a fine line between there. I mean, I mean, even there, let's talk about the power of cash. You can't be too pale. That's right. That's true. <laughs> they see right through you. <laughs> but yeah, I have the first year, I feel like I got very sunburned. And then after that, nope, we got. Well, because you didn't know you were allowed to be at the beach between the, the hours of no. 10 and 2. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever been on the beach for more than 30 minutes at a time. <laughs> And you thought, are we ever going to leave this beach? I was like, God damn, okay. We don't, we just stay out here all day. <laughs> yes, I better start re- Guess I better get to reading. Um, I'm going to need more books. <laughs> um, once again, we referenced this. What was the movie that we did with in France? Paris Blues. Yes. Aww. Holy shit. Um, we referenced this there, but I'm going to say it again. Heels on cobblestone. Oh, yes. yes. Great yeah. point. Um, 
the notebook that just said, in all caps, secret. <laughs> if there's anything I'm going to go, like, I'm not going to look at inside of a regular notebook. If oh, it doesn't no. say anything on it, like, let it be. But there's like a regular, like, college bound notebook that says secret. I'm going to read that. <laughs> um, the fact In like that 20 rats- minutes, she'll read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll be done with that. No time. The fact that rats can swim just lives yes, in my they- brain as a negative mm-hmm. reusable. Mm-hmm. Did you see they how can. well they were swimming? Yes, they can. I have a Incredible tasty titty. Swimmers. I have a tasty titty for that that I didn't write down, but I remember reading it that I think that they they couldn't shoot that in England because there was a law against shooting with wild rats, like that many wild rats. So they had to go someplace else. And luckily for that someplace else, I forget where they went to actually shoot all those wild rats. I have rats. more on that. Okay. I have more on oh, that. Oh, thank situation. God. Um... James Bond, dick as he is, the quote, from this angle, things are shaping up nicely. Yes. There's so, so much sexual innuendo in, like, yeah. every other line. You it's got almost to- Michael Scott. Yeah, but not funny. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're watching that now. Um, that's all my negatives. Erin? That's what she said was a thing before the office. Just, yes, just, it was. Like, it was. It was. He just utilizes it mm-hmm. frequently. Um, This is, it's good, but it's bad. Just the, <laughs> James Bond's gunmanship. Just the shooting from the hip, just all of it, just very reckless. And always hitting somebody. Yeah, and just woo, woo, pew, pew. Just uh, hilarious. Judging somebody's fitness by just one punch to the midsection. (laughs) She was just like, is he ready? (laughs) (laughs) He did have brass knuckles. Yeah. He's fit enough. Okay. Um, Was he sucking in his belly for that scene or what? Yeah. What was her name though? Lottie Lynn Yub. Wait, Club. Okay. Um. Okay. I can't remember ever seeing that much hair on the thigh of a male film lead ever. <laughs> wow. And he's he's a Scotsman. And then it made me think about how hairless uh, movie stars are today. Like, we hardly see any hair. And so just seeing his thigh with hair, like the same amount of hair that was on his forearms and calves was, I was like, oh, my gosh. And But people people can be hairy. It's just, it's that's part of the programming. You know that I see that and it jumps out to me. That's part of, because now you everybody's right. waxed and electro what is it the electrosalysis electrolysis yeah and then what about the people who can't afford it we're otherizing them and being oh, like yeah. oh that's disgusting because you have dark hair you know and it's, and it's everywhere yeah yeah people like it's the human form we had it, hair some people have apparently thigh hair it's, I don't I don't come from hairy stock myself. 
like thank god i thank you, know? you for that i mean I, I was like my dad and my brother don't have like they barely have hair so and then was, when they do they cut it all off <laughs> it's just, it's just very interesting well what, what was the purpose of the woman of his face um uh, no, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I have so many things I could say right now, but I am going to remain silent and let you continue, Erin. Oh. But naturally, no thigh hair. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. Or leg hair, really. Yeah, no. hardly any. Yeah, you're welcome. Because, well, you know, yeah. it's funny. My dad, I remember my dad doesn't, he never had hair on the back of his legs. Like the front of his legs are hairy. Yeah. But like never on the back. My hair doesn't grow in on the back either. Mm. I think I heard that it was from pants legs. But I don't know if that's just a, a, a tail. Because your dad's got nice calves. So it, it, I could see like wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's a walker. He walks a lot. <laughs> I do think after our, <laughs> our time at the beach with the maids, I think now they understand why I wore pants to your wedding. <laughs> oh, I get it. Why do you have hairy calves? No, just really ugly. Oh, Maz, really here, here's something for the listeners. She's got really ashy legs. That woman don't like lotion. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe this will be the shame that you need to start applying yeah, the lotion yeah. to your legs, Ma. Yeah. I have. What was the purpose of the women's fight? Even James Bond, the misogynist he is, was like, uh, "Can we stop the fight?" <laughs> exactly. This was one of my favorite parts, though. When what was his name? Karim. It's in the shootout, the Romany camp. He gets shot in his elbow but then <laughs> he you only see the blood when his other arm goes <laughs> to wipe the blood on it no and did you see you actually see him push yes the thing yeah the, that's the, gonna the, create the blood to come out yeah the you squid, actually see uh, it. right and then my favorite part is like so this man just got shot in the elbow we are led to believe and then wipes the blood on and then goes and bends down with that arm to pick up the gun Nah, no. brah. You're not doing it. You got shot in the arm? You ain't doing that? It was hilarious. James Bond's on the train, and he tells Tatiana, here are our new identities. Your new name is Caroline. And she's like, ah, Caroline. I love that name. He is the, he is MI6, he is the British, the creme de la creme of creme British spyness. Gives them their assumed identities. I don't think it was five minutes. He comes back in there with Tatiana, Tatiana. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I know it's the same thing. <laughs> Bitch, my name's Caroline. Like, what did you just do? Come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're supposed to be a professional. Drugging anyone's drink, especially a woman's drink. Yeah. Just yeah. very bad. Um, Although... The that drug looked like something I wish I had in my <laughs> medicine cabinet. No, ma. Am I right? She could probably tell and you that's what it was. Why we get along? <laughs> I shouldn't say that. We should probably say this offline. But what if I? <laughs> Go ahead. 
best memories when I knew you were going to be okay. Taking up the cup. I know what it is. <laughs> we were still in Richmond and we were going to my, we were going to go to New Orleans for vacation. So we were driving from Richmond to DC and we were leaving the dogs with them for like, a very, it was like very early in relationship times. And I don't know what was going on, but my armpit was really hurting. I felt really sick. Like I felt like I had the flu. And I was like, oh my God, I just really feel bad. I thought I had the flu and I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, you have an infection in your armpit. I had done a mud race the day before. Never, don't do this. Don't do a mud race. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, you don't, I, yeah, don't worry. I shaved my armpit. Oh, so you're not supposed to do that. That's what got the How did I know? Killed. How could I know? I got an infection and I got a flight and I felt so bad. And she gave me, she was like, oh, I have some painkillers. Do you want some extra? And I was like, yes, absolutely, of course. <laughs> oh, the bonding. So, the, I how did we get on that topic? Because you guys both wanted to be drugged like Tatiana. Oh, did. yes. Yeah, yeah, but I want to do it myself. I don't want somebody to do it to me. No, yeah. <laughs> I need to have control over that. That's right. Yeah, your agency. The fallacy of the talking killer. How the bad guy, he's just telling all the plays. Like, he had the drop on James Bond, but you know he's got to explain everything to him to let James Bond formulate a plan. I know. Why do they do all that talking? Just shoot. Yeah, but that that's the thing. That's part of the fun. And then finally, this is by, this is the thing that really got under my skin and really took me out of this film. For when it was supposed to be sexy time, the whole time I'm thinking, because I am a California resident and I try to be mindful of my water usage, he left that motherfucking shower running the whole oh, She yells at me time. every time she comes home. Water is a finite resource, people. Oh, The water we have on Earth is the water that was here when the dinosaurs were here. And all of the pollution <laughs> that has happened. It's, uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, we like to think that because there's a whole ocean of it that, that we have everything. And I'm just like, man, look at you just leaving the shower running. Those are my negative reheatables. Well, mine are those bathing suits were supposed to be sexy. I remember well, when those I bathing they suits were. You didn't think they were? Okay. Well, each is all. Uh, begging James for sex, literally begging yeah. him. Yeah. Ain't nobody that good. Slapping Tatiana. <laughs> you gonna tell me that you wouldn't beg Paul Newman? <laughs> no, I don't think I... You just wouldn't think it was begging. <laughs> <laughs> because it would never have happened. I mean, why would... No. No. Okay. Um, wait, what, where was I? Whew. Uh, slapping Tatiana mm -hmm. and the rats. Yeah. Rats are never good. But now we are to positive reheatables. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I'll start. Uh, <laughs> uh, go ahead, Christine. <laughs> 
Um, my positives. The first one is having the last name Broccoli. Yes. Pretty cool. Persian rugs. Oh, I've been to we so many, so many rug stores in my life as a little kid. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's where you got all those rugs? Yeah. There was a, a lot yeah. of different places that we went to with just stacks and stacks of rugs. And they would just flip them and be flipping them. Yep. Man. I, yeah, I like those. You're going to uh, inherit some. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the hotel they were at? Because mm -hmm. rugs are expensive, turns out. That's one of those things as a kid you never realize. Mm -hmm. Until you're an adult and you have to spend your money on rugs, rugs are mm -hmm. fucking expensive, especially mm -hmm. if you if you have a dog likes to pee on things. Right. Yeah. Um, belly dancing. I have that. Oh yeah, she incredible. was incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's I have so, not, I've never seen belly dancing like that. It's it's quite it's athleticism. Oh just my on god! Display. Oh yeah, that undulation of the of the entire torso. No, that was unbelievable. She's got active glutes. Um, <laughs> I might say this for my MVP. Mm. So I'm not gonna say that yet. And then traveling by train the rich way, mm. mm -hmm. like having your whole boudoir. That seemed like fun. Like if I could go to Las Vegas, if I could like, okay, we go to Las Vegas and include two to three days for train travel, but traveling like that, uh, that seems yeah. like fun. When we, when we come to New York, we're usually in business class, but one time we did the, the, the little place where you have your own bathroom in, in the compartment, but listen. So there's one seat facing backwards, which I cannot do. Yeah. One seat facing forward. Next to the seat facing backwards is the toilet. Right there. Like there's no person. Like no door? No. Oh, uh, no, I don't like oh, that. Oh, no. so you just have to drop your pants right there? Yeah. Oh. And you maybe pull down the shade of your window, maybe not. No, I'd rather be in business class where I go close the door. Oh, and come especially because because my, my dad is a big. He, I I just do it to mess with him when I go home. Just leave the door open because he gets so mad. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, there's no. Yeah, I I wasn't into that. So it wasn't like a compartment like their train had. Like that reminded me of like Harry Potter. Like I want like oh. or like Agatha Christie novels. Mm -hmm. Like that's the Orient Express. Well, or yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for later in the podcast. That was the Orient Express that they were on. Yeah, from Istanbul uh, to where they. I have more in Tasty Titties. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. And then finally, I have that lingerie was good. I like that. It was tasteful. Mm -hmm. Like. You didn't, I like that she didn't have to have, I, okay, as misogynistic as everything is, and maybe that wasn't intended to be lingerie, that was like, what do you just want her to wear, but like, her titties were out. <laughs> I mean, they were in lace, but like, right. the rest of her was covered, it wasn't like, she had to like, sit there like a beach whale with like, all right. her like, fat hanging right. out, you know, right. like, she had... She was tastefully covered, which I enjoyed. 
Like she exactly. could feel, I felt like you could be like confident in that. Look, my titties are in some lace. The rest of me is covered by some silk. It's hugging my curves, but I'm mm -hmm. not like out here, you know? Right, right, right. A win for the not age that I had much experience with lingerie. Oh, okay. Thank God for that. Okay. Wasn't, well, wasn't no. crotchless. Oh my God. Yeah, ew. Thank God. It's disgusting. <laughs> that we saw. Well, I mean, it was a dress, so. It was. It was very nice. Oh, that was just because of the Hayes Code. All right. I th maybe. But she was kind of naked before when she got into yeah. his bed. So, but I just kind of figure if it's ever yeah. modesty with women that it's it's not because yeah. they wanted to cover her up. I feel like it's Hayes True. Code. Oh, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's all my positives. Well done. I have apparently the masks making styles of 1963 were fantastic because that was a realistic mask. Oh my gosh! Right. I liked it. Made me laugh, but the the napkin message you are required at once on the bottom of the napkin. Oh yeah. And I was just like, that don't you over could read without your glasses because mm -hmm. it was magnified by. The big bottom of the glass. Yeah, don't overthink it. It's cool. And I like the shot. Spectre, I know I'm a rube, but here I am watching the like the Daniel Craig, you know, 007s, and they're talking about Spectre. Little did I know how far back like Spectre goes back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's always been a thing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. Okay. I had not seen this movie before. And yet, when I was in high school, we've alluded to it before. Actually, we've, yeah. So I would make films in high school. And I had a bad guy character, and you would just see their hands while they were talking being bad. And that's where it, that's where it came from, was this, with the bad guy. And you, you don't see who he is, and you just see him stroking the cat. And you how, never saw that before. No, but I just knew of it. It's it's one of those things about how like pop culture and things just seep uh, into I have you. A nerd, or I have a tissue titty on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on that skin lace. Um, and then that reminded me of the whole thing. Like, and it was just funny to me how I ripped it off and I had no idea of like the original thing for it, but like you and my dad probably knew where that was coming from. And then that takes me to Austin Powers and yes. just how yes. much of this of these like tropes that I would see, like the numbers, Lottie Linia's character, like yeah. that you just see in Austin Powers. It's like, oh, that's where it came from. The bubble helicopter just makes me laugh. Like just how the helicopters were. Just mm -hmm. and, and they're such fickle machines too, helicopters. Oh, they are. It's just it's just a uh I don't know if nowadays, but if you read about how they work, they just seem very fickle, and it's a marvelous that you gotta they, know you know, what you're doing. Yeah, it's very. I mean, well, tragically, Kobe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's even mind. with all the money Kobe had, and and mm -hmm. really it's, good pilot, and you still you're just rolling the old dice. Mm -hmm. The car phone. 1963. He's mm -hmm. just on, on a car phone. I was like, wait a second. I got yeah. taken this for granted. Well, uh, I learned that the first one was used in St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. June 17th, 1946. Wow. 
with the bell system. Well, because I was like, oh, he's ahead of his time, but maybe he wasn't. No, because of why? Hedda Hop? No, not Hedda Hopper. What was her name? Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women's um, Women's History Month. You, women's History Month. Look up look with Hedy Lamar. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um. Okay, we've already alluded to it many times before, but blonde Robert Straw. I saw his name in the credits. Okay, so I started watching this movie Friday night. I, I was very tired. I fell asleep only halfway through. I saw his name, Robert Shaw. I'm, I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. It wasn't until, because then I did the particulars and stuff, my homework, before I finished watching the second half. And I was like, what? That's right. Ro-? And then, sure enough, I watched the whole half of this movie not realizing. I kept waiting for my man to show up. And he had been there the entire time. He had been. Unbelievable. But he didn't speak until he was allowed to use an English accent. <laughs> Did you notice that? Oh, he, no. He couldn't speak with a Russian accent. He said no words with Russian accent. There's a sex tape? Yep. I was just like, wow, look at this. Um, and then my final positive reheatable is... And so the sex tape was a positive. Yeah, because... It's a reheatable. It, I thought it... It's not necessarily not all the reheatables are good because they're like good. I thought it was good because like sex tapes are still a thing, you know, and even more of a thing. She could have been Kardashian. Yes, yeah, you know, that's what, well, that's she what didn't I'm have saying. The mama that could. Uh... She, she could have. And, and then it's fascinating. I, I'm watching the Pam and Tommy. And just to think back, I'm like, oh, my God. Pam got such a raw deal. Just just thinking of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and all of that. It's it's a very interesting retread, like a rethinking of. Okay. With the pop with the Tommy and Pam, I only watched the first couple episodes and I did fast forward a lot. But Aaron, <clears throat> how did they keep the prosthesis on the actor? What do you mean? Like, like little Tommy? Yeah. I think that that was probably a lot CGI. Do you? Because I uh, couldn't Im- because it was moving and talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I'm just I'm just talking about the actual mass of it. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> slander Sebastian Stan, but I'm I, I, I'm I, guessing I, CGI. They can they okay. do amazing things. Because I'm just saying. Uh, that because it was bouncing around a lot, so like you, you couldn't glue, you couldn't. Vel- there wasn't even like be. I don't know. Maybe that's just what Sebastian Stan's been blessed with. Maybe, maybe. Or, I don't know, but that was fascinating to me. And these are all questions that Hayes Code would be like. You wouldn't be asking these. <laughs> <clears throat> so I need to continue past that beginning part to to see. Uh, I'm a few was... I'm a few behind, but when she got deposed, that whole the deposition episode was like oh, wait, uh, that's messed yeah, up. Yeah, okay, okay. Let's move on. Different movie. My final positive reheatable is Santa Sophia, the Santa Sophia mosque. It's in Istanbul. And the tour guide, he's mentioning all these things, and I just thought it was interesting because he mentions items that were stolen from Egypt. 
and that mm. are there. He mentioned something about Alexander the Great. And I thought it was just interesting. It just goes to show you how there's always been wars and people have always been mm-hmm. taking things and bringing Definitely. them back. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up and I saw in 2007, as of 2017, the United States has been at war 222 years out of 239 years. Oh, wow. God. And historians Will and Ariel Durant calculate that there have been about 268 scattered years without war over the past 3,421 years. We just all hate each other. So, yeah, it is. I know that in these times, I just say that because I know in these times where we have all this information all the time, in the past we didn't Mm -hmm. have phones Mm -hmm. with information all the time, and that it can seem very like this is the end, this is, and and just very depressing. But to know pretty much throughout humans' entire existence, we've been fighting with each other. Yeah. I get comfort in that. Is it toxic masculinity because most of those years it's been men in charge? I would like to just, I don't, let's see. (laughs) So I'm opening to let's, let's try something new and see. I don't, I, you know, I mean, we got, we got some uh, wild women in the United States government that, that would point your, your cap to be like, sure do. (laughs) Do you think that things would be better if they were in charge? So, uh, you know, well, there's some, that. some women with some three names and whatnot, just being wild out in these streets. So. Colors, color names. So my positive reheatables. What I have always loved about the Bond films is the scenery, the uh, the setting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful it's, film. Yeah, usually it's Europe. You get to see really high-class casinos and cars and clothing. I love that. Um, Colonel Kleb, I loved her. I loved La La Nina. I'm so happy. Um, I had a camera like James Bond had, the kind where the top (gasps) flipped up at his belly. Not, I didn't have the recording device in it. With the power pack? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have that, but I did have that kind of a camera. Where is it? It's long gone. Oh. In the trash. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many years ago. She didn't ago. recycle. No, we didn't recycle in Cincinnati, Ohio. So now we are to quotables. I have, I find the parallel amusing. It was at the very beginning and it was James Bond, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Probably women and sex. Probably. <laughs> And then when Colonel Kleb is walking through all the people who are training and she goes, you know, there's nothing like experience. And they go, uh, I agree. We use live targets as well. Mm. Those were mine. I forgot to write down any of mine. There was one in the end where he was like, well, it's, on, it's just not, sometimes it's just not your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't write it down. So I have none then. I have when uh, Cleb was making, pretty like forcing 
oh, what's her name? Tatiana to to do that to go along with her this plan. She was like, then you will not leave this room alive. <laughs> I was like, what a toxic workplace. Am I right? Um, James Bond, when he's shown his uh, fancy suitcase, briefcase, he's like, that's a nasty Christmas present. <laughs> and when he gets to Istanbul with somebody, he's there explaining it. They're like, and he, they basically say, this is the Cold War in a nutshell. They follow us. We follow them. It's yes, an it understanding the, we have. The driver. Yeah, yeah, it was the driver. Um, and one of his things, because a guy escapes from a woman's mouth, because that doesn't call attention to your escape, buddy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, she should have kept her mouth shut. Yeah. See, I, I stayed away from all of the misogynistic quotes, which was 95% of the film. I counted it because it was the painting on the side of a window. So I was Which like, reminded me of uh, The Great Gatsby. Oh, was it that? Yeah. The, the, the billboard with the glasses? Yeah, his glasses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then this is uh, something that that you guys would probably have picked up on, but I, being an unsophisticated I am, didn't pick up on it. But when James Bond goes, red wine with fish, well, I, that should have told me something. <laughs> I, did, I did find that amusing. Would you like the white Chianti? He was like, no, I want the red. Because I was with him. I was like, I want the red. Give me the red. But unsophisticated. Those are my quotables. Okay, LVP. Oof. My, my runner-up was the women's fight. I mean, mm. it was just not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but my uh, all-time LVP was giving James the choice of two women they had nothing to say about it yeah but they were two other women so it's not like mm -hmm. um you know who cares right Deanie um my LVP my runner-up is James Bond's toxic masculinity mm-hmm uh -huh. Which we touched on. And it's hard not to love. It, it, it's so crazy to me because we still love him for it. Like, yeah. Like you watch it, and I'm like, oh, he's still like, ooh. I'd be so crazy. But if he approached me in a bar and I were single, like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know. Even but, when he saw the hairy thighs. No, I don't know. If I saw yeah. the hair, eyes, no, <laughs> that might have been a game changer. <laughs> the hair, I'm out. Um, but my real LVP is the plot. And you oh. talked about this earlier, but like when we were watching this, I was like, this is my problem with every James Bond and like yes. honestly, action movie is the yes. plot. I couldn't understand the issue. Mm -hmm. And like they really want this device so bad that they're gonna kill all these people to get it. Mm -hmm. It just seems so silly to me that like, like all of the and every James Bond film that I've ever seen, the plot seems so silly that like they 
are making such a big deal over this one thing that they're going to murder everyone that they've come across. Right. Because it's just the MacGuffin. It doesn't matter. It's just the thing yeah. to get us so that we it's see It's like all him. the Mission Impossible. Like literally yeah. every action movie. And that's why, like, I feel like that's why my attention goes away is because, yeah. like, I, there's literally no reason for you to be doing this. Right. Except right. for the, the that, and that's why I can't tell you all. That's why I was like, "What Spectre?" Because I just zone out and I get like with Ma. I'm looking no, at the I locale. I I'm was doing like, everything like, else. What's in ten minutes of the movie? I was like, "So wait, why are we doing this? What are, what's the device? Like, what are we doing? Like, I had I, to summarize the the plot. <laughs> it was yeah. Like, How do I no. do this? I just knew the lecture. I'm like, all right, that's the McGuffin. But that ties in nicely, Teeny, because my LVP is really the whole reason behind the plot and all of this. And all you're like, why are we doing this? What is it? Mm -hmm. My real MVP of this LVP. is LVP. Oh, I always say that. My LVP is imperialism. Oh, it's, well, yeah. And so exactly. I, I looked up, I was like, what, what's the definition? And that's imperialism is a policy of extending a country's power and influence through diplomacy or military force and that's that's yeah. that's just that's what the, it's about that's the war that's going on right now it's always has been always will be yeah it's just it's the why are we doing why are we blowing this up why is that's why i just like now i'm just like yeah yada yada it mcguffin mcguffin imperialism mcguffin mcguffin right Imperialism equals testosterone, maybe. It, well, only because we ha we don't have enough. We haven't been given the opportunity to prove if we are, in fact, just as horrible as the toxic masculinity. Well, that's true. You know? And then like we, that's yeah, going to happen, and it's going to break my heart. Yeah, so it's like, ah, toxic femininity yeah. <laughs> rears its ugly head. Well, let's get to that point, shall we? Let's just be allowed to. Try. Yeah. Okay, MVPs. Mine is the scenery. It's always been the scenery, oh. the background, the, the eye candy. Mm -hmm. Well, mine at first, uh, my runner-up MVP is the theme song. Oh, yes. It, Thank it's you. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, and I didn't even, I should have mentioned this in my MVP or my, uh, positive readables but the video games that have come from james bond like mm -hmm. just the james bond legacy if anybody played the james golden eye my brother did for i did shit. but he was obsessed with it oh my god and last night we almost i was like we should play this after we finish watching the movie and then we were sleeping um <laughs> but i have the nintendo 64 and goldeneye and i remember my cousin josh showing like bringing his nintendo 64 to my grandma's house and showing me the cheat mode to do like big head mode like showing me all the cheat modes you could do like it's ah it's so cool um but my real mvp is Cleb. She mm. wins her knife shoes. Yeah. Holy shit. You I need that. Every single one of my pair of shoes 
to have a blade installed <laughs> in the big toe. If oh you are God. riding the New York subway system, that yes. should be just given to you. I should be yes. like part of your tax return is money to install a blade in the toe of all of your pairs of shoes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Are you kidding me? Amazing. Nobody would ever know. Yeah. And you'd, you'd hardly ever have to use it. You just have to show it and people would back away. But you never have like into the falls. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what right. you mean. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. My honorary mention is Spectre for knowing that the British were going to know that it was a trap yeah. and like just going off of that. And like, we're going to do this, but aren't they going to think it's a trap? Like, yes, they are. And we're going to know that they're going to think it's a trap because they're so British. I like that. Um, and then my second honorable mention is Miss Money Penny. I wanted, yeah. I wanted more Miss Money Penny. I liked her. I thought she was yeah. funny. I thought she was. Is she... Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Is she M? No. Okay. M, M is, is M the is... guy in charge, right? Yeah. In the later okay. ones, M was Judy Dench. Right. So M okay. is always the 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 boss. master puppeteer. <laughs> is M the one making the gadgets? No, that's no. Q. That's mm-hmm. Q. Yeah. But in, at this point in the film, I don't think that Q was Q yet. But he right. showed up. Need to see some more James Bond films. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Probably oh. in order would be really helpful. Yeah, but then it gets, like, I wasn't. Spoiler alert, that's the next year of our podcast. <laughs> Just all j- because I wasn't yeah, into the do. Roger Moore and the Timothy Roger Dalton. Moore got to be too comedic. Yeah, like they, there was just some downtimes in the seventies and the eighties yeah. where I was just like, and even like even the Pierce Brosnan ones. That's why I was I got really perked up with the Craig. He was yeah, like, Daniel oh, Craig. he's my because you guys always talk about Sean Connery, and that brings me to my MVP. Is actually yeah. it's Sean Connery, because oh. I mean for all of what we've said about the toxic masculinity and the white supremacy and all of that, I've grown up knowing like you and my dad are like, oh, Sean Connery is the James, he's the best James Bond of all time. He's the best James Bond. I would always hear that, and then like Daniel Craig comes along, and I'm like, Daniel Craig is my James Bond. And then I was kind of thinking of it, I was like, oh, it's kind of like you guys like. With the Jordan LeBron comparison, you're Jordan, and then the the new people are like that weren't around for Jordan see LeBron, and they're like, oh, LeBron's the best ever, and so I'm like, oh, Daniel Craig, he's the best James Bond, he's the best James Bond. And then I watch this, and I'm like, you know what? I get it that I'm a I'm a product of my time, and so Daniel Craig, I like him, but I totally under I'm not gonna anybody who says that Sean Connery is the greatest James yeah, Bond of all time. Good. I'm like, yeah, I get it. He is, he is damn charming. Even with his toupee. Even with his toupee and his hairy ass thighs. That man looked great in a suit. 
I I just yeah. like his mouth and how, and even remember last week we were talking about his uh, eyebrows. His mm-hmm. eyebrows weren't really doing a lot in this. They were there, but they he wasn't really like doing all wiggly stuff. No, because he's like totally suave and deboner, de- debonair. An underrated quality of Sean Connery. I really like his mouth. Yeah. I just thought it, I was just all in, and I'm like, you know what? I don't care. It's a toupee. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get And it's just funny because I'm of the age where I only knew Sean Connery as an older man, and I was like, right. he's fine. He's fine. But then you go back and you spend some time with young Sean Connery, you're like, oh, I get And it's not how I thought it was going to be. It's different, but I get it. So. so then when you see Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark, which the everyone last sh- yeah. yeah, and he shows up as the father, mm-hmm. that's everybody lost their shit. But if you were younger, you didn't get that. You didn't no, know I, why they lost No, I shit. did because I knew he was a star because I, he was King Arthur. He was in First Night. He was in Hunt for the Red yeah. October. Like yeah. I, would, I grew up with Sean Connery, but I grew up with gray-haired older right. sean connery older you know connery. the mm-hmm. rock like i am well versed in connery but i didn't know zero gray hair young sean connery he can just run like he was on a football pitch sean connery i was like okay i, I will say number two is daniel craig though oh i enjoy yeah. me some daniel craig yes okay so we are to recasting and here's my issue yes I would love to see Idris Elba be Sean Connery, but <laughs> Sean Connery. James what? Bond. You want to see Idris Elba be James Bond. What did I say? You want Idris Elba Sean to Connery. be Sean Connery. <laughs> no. Okay. James Bond. Uh, sort of, you know, a synonym. And this was during the Cold War. So if you stick with the Cold War, then uh, James Bond has to be able to to go in and out of places without being noticed. And Idris Elba would be kind of a, hello, there's a black person here in Eastern Europe and you ah, know, yeah. that whole situation. White supremacy is handcuffing exactly. what we exactly. can do. I see. But if we then, because we could definitely put James Bond in some African countries, there could be definitely some issues going on in African countries where we needed uh, MI. Yeah, but you just lost us all because we've been programmed not to care about Africa. <laughs> yeah. Therein lies the rub. Yeah. White so supremacy ruins the party once again. Well, I have the perfect James Bond recasting. All right. What? And only for James Bond and James Bond himself. And I have two options. Okay. Are you ready? Number one, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> and number two, Paul Hollywood. Oh my God, Paul Hollywood. <laughs> Why am I on board? His and belly. there you go. They could go anywhere you need them to be. I kind of like this. I kind of like this. That works. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Wow, Teeny, you just came in like a wrecking ball. With she that. did. Perfect. Came in like a wrecking ball. Okay, so mine, I was like, all right, 
the the weird thing about James Bond, it, it, like I don't know if we can like recast this specific movie, but then I'm like, all right, who's gonna be the next James Bond? Because that's the whole thing. So then, right, I happen to. Oh, we don't know that yet. I watched the Batman. I watched the most recent Saturday Night Live, and I'm like, the new James Bond is Zoe Kravitz. What are we? Oh and, shit! Right, oh. and then because it's yeah. like you what you say, Mom. Oh my God, she'd be so good. But do it. And then and then they're like, oh, but Aaron, she's not Jamie British. Bond. Yeah, it's like oh, but she's not British. And to that I say, well, Fred Hampton and Martin Luther King were both played by British actors. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, excuse me. But then in my researching, I came across this quote from Barbara Broccoli that made me go, oh, wait a second. Barbara Broccoli. Yeah. So she said, quote, he can be of any color, but he is male. I believe we should be creating new characters for women, strong female characters. I'm not particularly interested in creating male character and having a woman play it. I think women are far more interesting than that. Exactly. So then I was like, oh, okay. I knew 007. I see her point. And then I was like, well, wait a second. There's this film called The 355. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think I'm going to watch that this evening because... Its name comes from Agent 355, who Uh was the code name of a female spy for patriots during the American Revolution. Uh And it stars in its cast, Fane Bingbing, Diane Kruger, Lapita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz, and Jessica Chastain. So I'm I'm just kind of like, well, they they did James Bond. So I don't, I understand where... Barbara Broccoli is coming from, I do think, Wait, that Zoe Kravitz. So she said they can't... She said what that James say? Bond is, is a male. And it kind of... Because it is, yeah, it's it like is. the whole thing that I was reading. Yeah. Like, he is toxic masculine. That's his right. thing. But Jessica Bond... And so- also, but also then it goes... People are talking about, like, Harry... Is it Henry, Harry, Henry Golding... Like, I just don't want James Bond to be a, a white man. I would like it to be, like, an oh, Asian man. Henry or... Cavalletti. But the, here's the thing. When Sean Connery took over James Bond, people didn't, he wasn't Sean Connery. He had been in this Darby O'Gill movie, which we did. So the thing about picking James Bond now is that it needs to be somebody that we don't I really know. know about. I know, yeah. Because there's, a, like, that Reggie Page guy yeah. from... Yeah. <laughs> Bridgerton. Bridget Jean. Bridget Jean. Yeah, but I it needs to be somebody. We need to find the next Connery. We need to find the next right. Daniel Craig. And right. but not as a as the white man. Like I would right. like to see it be yeah. because then it, it gets into it's like make James Bond more representative of the world and right. also like he can't lean on his like white masculine thing like he's still gonna have his masculine angle but he needs to be he needs to like throw that in add that little spice into the world it you moved know? out of the cold war yeah. era mm-hmm. it, yeah just oh, just I, expand it so zoe kravitz could do right yes oh yeah yes. oh my god yes oh i am okay so we are to tasties This was Sean Connery's favorite James Bond, as it was the favorite of Daniel Craig and somebody else. 
Um, the knife shoe is real, Teeny. Yes. The KGB really had a knife shoe. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Steven Spielberg saw this movie, and that's when he knew he wanted Robert Shaw to be in Jaws. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. The girl, Daniela Bianchi, mm-hmm. 21. Ooh. That's still yeah. a young, young woman. I have to say, she was... She's a very attractive woman. Yeah. Yeah, with hair up, hair down. Okay, the rats. So at first they used lab rats because, you know, you don't go to the sewer and get, they they wouldn't follow. (laughs) But the lab rats were too light colored. So they (gasps) put, so listen, they put, they coated them in chocolate, (gasps) but they wouldn't do anything because all they did was lick them. (laughs) We, We have Black-faced rat? Black-faced rat? Oh, my God! They tried it, and it didn't work because the rats were too busy licking the chocolate off themselves. So you mean to tell me if we had put chocolate on Bing Crosby's face in that film, and he was just too busy licking it off, that we wouldn't have Holiday Inn? (laughs) That would be the best-case scenario. (laughs) And then they did... Wait, they got rats from... Finally, they had to get rats from somewhere else and do it because the rats yeah. didn't cooperate. Well, because, yeah, so they had to get the wild rats, but then, the, yeah. like, England wouldn't let them use the wild rats, yeah. so they had to go somewhere else, and we don't remember where, and that's probably for the best for that place. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Those are my tasties. I have a tasty titty about the cat. Mmm. Blowfield's cat. Is that how you say his name? Blowfield? I think so. I don't know. Mm. So I read an article that said, like, obviously, if you've seen a Bond film, you've seen a villain sitting in an, a really large swivel chair, always with a facial scar, petting a white cat. And they're all referencing the arch nemesis of 007. Um... And Ernest Stavro Blofield and his white cat. And so his first film debut was in 1963 from Russia with Love. But in the novel, there were, he didn't have a cat. This Whoa. was made up of film. Visual storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was because they didn't want you to see his face because they needed you to look at something. So they needed you to see him like petting the cat. Oh. Oh, and Mike Myers yeah. picked up on that. Well, yeah. So, so then did I. Was, yep. So, well, the whole thing was that cats are more difficult to train than dogs. So they had to give them roles where they didn't have to do a lot. So you could just pet them. Because they're going to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that cat appeared in Fioris Only, Never Say Never, uh, something else. But then he became inspiration for Austin Powers movies. Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, where the villain mm-hmm. has a white fluffy cat. Oh, Inspector, Inspector, Inspector Gadget. Gadget! That's where, where I got it from. Yeah. Dr. Claw has a pet. Yes. MAD Cat Giovanni was leader of Team. Oh, and then, and Pokemon. 
Giovanni was the leader of Team Rocket and had a Persian cat. And then there was a children's movie, Cats versus Dogs. And the Persian cat was the leader of Mr. Tinkles. He was the leader of all the evil cats. Mr. Tinkles. That's adorable. Yeah. But yeah, he like I was like, oh, that's totally um uh awesome powers. But then I was like, oh my god, Inspector Gadget? Pokemon? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't remember yeah. Inspector Gadget, but Aaron liked Inspector Gadget. Oh, I love Inspector Gadget. Gadget. Yeah, you did. Loved it. I have that there are a bunch of film innovations that came from this um this this film. So the, this was the first one that had of the James Bond films that had the pre-title sequence that became oh. a mainstay. Ah. The Blowfield character, aka number one. The secret weapon is a gadget whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the postscript scene at the end. Mm-hmm. The theme song with lyrics. You know how everybody's like, oh, who's going to sing the song? Yeah. That was a whole thing. Rita Coolidge sang one of them. Uh, Tina Turner, Billie Eilish, like so many. Adele. Adele. So many. Paul McCartney, like so many people. Yeah. Um, the James Bond will be back in the credits. That, mm-hmm. This was the first time that that happened. Yes, yes. This is considered to be one of the best James Bond films. And it's also one of the films, because this is a sequel. So this is one of the examples of where the sequel is actually considered by many to be better than the original. Ooh, that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have that... Following the success of Dr. No, United Artists doubled the budget. And doubling the budget doubled it from two from I guess one million to two million, but they ran over budget and over schedule. And they had to to hurry to make the October release. Ah. Uh-huh. But they ended up making seventy-eight million in the end. Mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, on and on and on. Um Sean, the hell, the comma was dropped from the. So in the book, it's from Russia, comma with love. But in the movies, oh. it's just from Russia with love, which that's why it kind of grammatically in English, people are like, what does the title mean? But it throw in the comma and then it makes more sense. Because it was on the postcard that he yes. wrote. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way that. But they were Russian, Colonel Kleb and uh, Tatiana. No, but he wrote from Russia with love on the postcard and gave yeah. it to Money Penny. Yeah. Okay. That's it's right. a, it's a, I mean, he came. What's his face came up with the title, so maybe it makes more sense in the book. You know, Ian Fleming. Oh yeah, true. Um, the helicopter scene was inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest, and mm-hmm. part of it was filmed with uh, radio-controlled miniatures. Because he was. There were talks for him to do it with Grace Kelly and Cary Grant. Oh. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. The Sean Connery fight scene with Connery and Robert Shaw, that took three weeks to film, and they did most of their own stunts. And it was a pretty good, like, fight scene. Like, it seemed real. In a really small space. Yeah. Um... Let's see. 
Bianchi's voice was dubbed by Barbara Jefford because her accent was too thick. And that's one of the things that, remember I mentioned earlier how I saw half of this film and did my homework and saw the other half? And so I was like, oh my God, that woman, like she's very attractive and she also has a fantastic voice. And then when I found out that it was dubbed, then then it be, it that's all that I heard. Like it became very apparent that that wasn't her voice. Oh, and there I had are no scenes idea. where she's kind of like mouthing things. And I'm like, oh, it's because her voice is dubbed. And it's just one of those interesting things about how how film can trick our senses. Like it just has to be close enough and how much our senses will fill in other things. It's it's wild and crazy. Mm. Um in the book, I, I think we've mentioned it. It's a Cold War thriller, and the producers replaced the Soviet undercover agency Smirsh, which is like a real thing, with the crime syndicate Spectre to avoid political controversies of yeah. the time. Um, the director, Terrence Young, didn't like Bianchi's 21-year-old legs. Yep. So Speaking of legs... When he utters that uh, phrase, that the quote that Tini mentions in the periscope scene, that's a double. Those aren't her legs. Oh no! Can you like? I don't think her legs are probably that heavy. Oh yeah. Oh, she might not have great ankles. (laughs) I I hope she had peasant ankles, just a sturdy stock. And he was just like, no, those ankles are great for fetching water, but not fetching James Bond. Unbelievable. Toxic masculinity again. And I have that, okay, the Orient Express. They're on the Orient Express. It started in 1883 and it ran until 2009. They had terminal stations in London, Athens, or Istanbul. And Istanbul, like, that's why Turkey has always been... um, The United States has always had an interesting relationship with Turkey because of where it's placed. It is when you look at a map and you, there's that that strip of land between Asia and Europe, um, between the I think it's the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. That's Turkey. So it is, and that's Istanbul, Constantinople. Like it's always been a thing, and its history goes way back because it's kind of you know the midpoint. It's almost like in the United States, um, St. Louis. You know the gateway art. It's like the gateway between two cultures and that kind of thing and so istanbul all the way up through there that was what was considered the orient express and it had many routes over the years and the name came to be associated with luxury and comfort rail rail Mm -hmm. travel in a time when travel was pretty rough so it Mm -hmm. was you know luxurious and stuff and it went away because it became a victim of high-speed trains and cut-rate mm. airlines. It was mm-hmm. like, eh, we could just fly. Yeah. And finally, the final tasty titty. You had alluded to it earlier, Teeny. This was mm-hmm. one of President John F. Kennedy's favorite books. There and is. it was mentioned in a Time Life article. And it's also, sadly, the last film that he saw... Because he, he saw this film at the White House on November 20th, 1963, right before he was leaving for Dallas. 
And when he arrived at Love Field in Dallas, there were the Texas Rangers were there with their horses. They were on their horses. And he went up to my cousin, Sonny, wish I remembered his last name, and congratulated him on uh, how great the horses were behaving at the airport and shook his hand. And that was going to be like on uh, on the front page of the newspaper the next day. But then something else happened that kind of, mm. yeah. Workplace uh, incident happened. Workplace yeah. accident happened. And... Yeah. But, so he was a Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to him after you got married? No. No. I, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> Poppy and I were not invited to come to uh, their their dwelling in Dallas. We that yeah. was not something that would have gone over well in 1975. But we have that picture, so we do have the picture of Kennedy we have the with picture, the, the but... horse on the. This, that's I mean that's kind of just America right there in the nutshell of it everything of all things being true. But yeah, that's your cousin. That's Kennedy. That's the day he's killed, and that guy has <laughs> would not give zero fucks about nothing me. to do with me and Poppy. Yeah. yeah. So that is To Russia With Love. I enjoyed it. It sure is. Yeah, I did It too. was an action movie. It was fun. It was uh, eye candy. Uh, so since next week is my week, we're going to go back to film noir because it's what I do. <laughs> I like it. Man, I like film noir. Oh, man, I don't have the date of this film. Moment. Uh-oh. How uh, is she going to guess? Yeah, how is she going to guess? It's an hour and 42 minutes it has um a uh 1947 it has someone famous as the lead uh but we know the lead as more of a television personality than a film personality of a television personality it is um based in london setting is in london and christine it's about a serial killer oh i love that you're welcome it's based is the star of it like a a british fellow because it's more of a a tv star no no it's not more of a we know i'm more of a tv star but it was in 1947 and it's a serial killer there is also Boris Karloff is in this. Oh no! Oh my means. boy! Where my Boris Karloff go? Stop googling, Aaron. I'm I not see you googling. googling. I'm, I'm, looking, looking, you're I'm not cheating. googling. I'm looking at my you're, she has, She's cheating. I see her. She's I cheating. see her cheating as well. That's how this happens. She cheats every week. Exactly, <laughs> and she's not gonna get this. Do you see wow. that? I win. Yeah. High five, Christine. More of a TV. Maybe I can guess the TV star. Dick Van Dyke? No, no. 1947. Jack Benny? No. 1947. More of a TV star. And it's about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. It's a film noir based in London. Based in London. Wow. Never heard of this You're film before. And Boris Karloff. 
I he's not even like one of the top three leads. Well, he would have been it. very old, like on his downside. All right, who's the star? Lucille Ball. Oh my gosh, oh. Lucille Ball! I have just blown their mind. Thank you. I just want this to go down in Gone with the Bushes history. She, oh, oh my god. god! I don't think you've heard of it. No, then what is it? I haven't heard of it. It's called Lured. L-U-R-E-D. A serial killer is using... Are we able to watch this, Ma? Have you checked? The personal ads to get victims. This is like the Tinder swindler. I can't wait. And we can watch it on Apple TV, I believe. It's Apple TV. I did check to make sure we could watch it. Yeah, I've never heard of this. This I know. I am so proud of myself. And Lucille Ball, we love. Oh, I love. I have a tattoo Uh, of her. Exactly. So she is in, I mean, a a drama. I'm in. Okay, listeners, next week we go to London, 1947 London for a serial killer with Lucille Ball. Is she going to be doing a British accent? God. I have no idea. Are we going to watch this movie and be like, yeah, she needed to go to TV? Probably. That's probably the reason that then in a few years, she and Desi started their Desi Lou Productions. It worked out fine for her. But I, I just know serial killer kind of rings with all of us. Say no more. more. Love. And 1947. There we are. Well, there you go, listeners. All right. Bye. Bye.